Come on, just lift him up. Say his name, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, God. Thank you for every work that you've worked in all your people. We magnify you, God, for your hand in the people's lives.
Awesome. Give, give him a round of, of applause. Yeah. I'm sorry. If we didn't have a guest speaker tonight, we just kind of just keep doing that for a while. So those of y'all who come to our uh, first, every first Sunday of the month, we have a worship night. And this is kind of just what we do all night. We just kind of worship. And uh, it's always awesome. How many of you guys come to that are blessed? Yes. It's awesome because, you know, everybody who comes on the Sunday night is really glad that I'm not preaching. <laughs> so it's awesome. It's really good to be in the presence of the Lord. And, and um, I'm excited to hear what, what Brother Clay has for us tonight. And thank you all, all for coming. You guys give him a welcome. And come on up, bro. Amen. How many of you are messed up from this morning? Well, it's only nine. <laughs> Well, I'm going to recap a little bit tonight, because I know there's a few people in that wasn't here this morning. Um, I 
I know many, uh, one very many hands went up this morning that ever heard teaching on first, first fruits. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm not asking this for me. I'm asking this for you. How, how many of you in the spirit of this word this morning carried some, some weight in your spirit? You heard something you could take a hold of. Because, I, you know, being very honest, just hearing it the first, I don't want you to just learn something. How, how many of you realize the religious church in the Western world is filled with belief systems and learned behaviors? Now think about that. We, we believe certain ways because we've heard someone say that's the way we're supposed to believe. But greater in that is having that relational experience to where we move beyond just learned behaviors of why uh, we do it. I remember years ago when I got a revelation about the Lord's table, and I began to announce that we uh, teach on it, and we were going to set it out every Sunday. You know, the people like, you know, it was not what they were used to. And so it came along, and the old saying says, you know, it kind of turned over their apple cart. And... uh, in the midst of it, but it but it began to produce life uh, for them at, at that time. I want to go back to just a few things I said this morning and pick up on it, and then we're going to go into some tying this to uh, uh, together. But uh, you know, we began this morning talking about first fruits. Uh, if you were not a covenant. Jew or not a covenant Israelite, when you harvested your wheat or barley, whatever oats, whatever it might be, you would not, uh, you would take some of that seed and you would store it. You would wrap it in a cloth. You would store it where moisture couldn't get to it, where the weevils couldn't get to it, because that seed, that first part that ripened in the field, was your ability to plant another crop. You know, they didn't have the co-op back then to run down and get seed. And so they had to do that. But if, and as you were a covenant Israelite, you would bring that first fruits that you harvest, and you'd bring it as a wave offering or sheave offering, and you would give it to the priest because what you were saying, I'm not going to trust in my ability to have seed for another crop, to plant another crop. I'm going to trust in God's ability to give me seed. And then we have a scripture that said, he gives seed to the sower. And so when you yield yourself and surrender to God's will, and you operate in the covenant, then you practice first fruits because it works, as I said this morning, as an insurance policy. You know, it's wonderful to have insurance on our vehicles, our homes, our stuff. And I've had some occasions where we had to apply for those, um, uh, you know, get insurance to pay for something. And uh, But yet, how many of you realize God's insurance works in a way that it, it rebukes the devourer for your sake? It keeps the damage from coming. You know, um, we've literally, both in business when we had a trucking company and ministry, we, we drive a lot of miles. And we pray. And we put our trust in God and we have been protected. We've, we've seen a lot of uh, 
not so much close calls for us, but we've seen a lot of, we've seen some accidents and we've seen some close calls, but God always has his hand of protection. And I want to share a, a testimony. Uh, we left um, uh, Gideon, Missouri one night about 10 or 11 o'clock. It was cold. The wind was blowing. And we didn't get very far at all. Got to Peach Orchard, Missouri. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay, that's right. And we had to change a tire. We had a flat. And when I got, I mean, I almost froze. I didn't have the proper clothes. I didn't have, and when I got in the car, I, we had three kids in the back. And I told her, I said, that's it. I said, we're going to come into agreement and start praying over our tires every time we leave. We're, we're not going to have to do this again. And I can tell you, we went from years and years and years and years and never had another flat. I'm talking about some years putting 70,000, 80,000 miles on a vehicle and traveling in ministry. But we would pray them when we left. We pray them during the trip and we put our trust in God. It's the same way with first fruits. You're putting your trust that God is going to give you seed. Is this making sense? And we went for years without having any flats until we moved out on Cobb Road, east of Omaha. And uh, we, we, I told her the other day, I don't know if we're praying enough because we've had more flats on that. Every time the road grader comes, in fact, let me just tell you what I'm going to do for anybody live on Cobb Road? Anybody, my neighbor? Okay. I'm fixing to build an electromagnet that I can pull on wheels. I can pull down that road and pick up all those nails. But let me just tell you, the rocks are pretty sharp up here too. They cause flats as well. But the point that I want you to catch is the fact that we talked about this morning out of, out of the Word of God about Abraham, uh, excuse me, about Abel and about Cain, and, it's, and it says there in the Scriptures, in the process of time. How many of you realize there's always a process of time until you come into the fullness of time? There's a process of time until you come into the fullness of time. See, when, when Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary, the mother of Jesus, there was a process of time until she came into the fullness of time and she birthed forth the Son of God. But she had to carry that child during that time. And, you know, I've, I've heard both times I've been here, I've heard Pastor Chad talk about, I think you've been pastoring now 25 years. Is that, did I hear you correctly? And, uh, you know, I don't see your, your wife here right now, but I was going to just tell you, the Lord set during worship to tell you something that you've lived into your time. Now, let me help you understand that. In other words, I'm not saying the price has been fully paid, but you've paid a price to get to here, and you're about to move into the fullness of your time. I, we can remember when we moved into the fullness of our time, we've been obedient. I actually said this today uh, to some friends of ours that came to the service this morning from up in uh, Foresight, and I said it, this to them in the movie Rookie. How many of you remember that movie with Dennis Quaid? Baseball player, been passed over based on a true story. But he made a great statement in that movie. He said, my grandfather, how many of you know we need to listen to our grandfathers? Amen. I, I never got to know my grandfather Nash. He died in 48, but we need to listen to them because they've paid some prices and they've been some places. But he said that. He said, my grandfather taught me that you have to do 
what you have to do until you get to do what you want to do. And I want to tell you, there's such a truth. Here's how I teach it. Out of that, out of that quote in that movie, God gave me this. You'll never be prepared for the season that's coming if you despise the season you're in. Don't despise where we are as a nation. I don't like it. I'm praying to see it change. I'm doing everything I can, but I'm not going to despise it because how many of you know right now we're all having to tighten our belt, right? I mean, my wife came home and told me the other day what 18 eggs cost. And I thought, oh my goodness, we're going to have to pawn a title to be able to buy eggs. Wasn't quite that bad, but it, I just could not believe when she told me. And of course, we got this bird flu, and chickens are dying, and there's a lot of things that's affecting it. And and with that, but can I tell you, there is the 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 goodness of God that will take care of us. How, how many of you realize how blessed we are in this nation? I've worked in 58 nations of the world. <laughs> I've been into every Eastern Bloc, former communist country with it. I was figuring out when all this thing broke out in Ukraine, I've spent over 500 days of my life in Ukraine. I mean, I, you know what? And every time I would come home, you can ask my wife, I would weep and almost want to kiss the ground of this nation. As, as bad as, and evil as things is, are becoming right now, how many of you know we're blessed? Even when we couldn't find any toilet paper, we're blessed. <laughs> no, we've had to adjust a lot, and we've had to trust the Lord. But I want to tell you, He is a good, good God. He is a good Father, and even when we tighten our belts, I um, I listened to a test, uh, a speech. I'm going to call it a speech, not a testimony, by Kevin Cosner uh, Friday, I think it was. And Kevin is very is quite liberal in some of his views, but he told about his raising, and he told how that his grandfather, who had a, a, a farm in Oklahoma, went and deposited the money he had and had 50,000 bushels of wheat. And 30 minutes after he deposited this very significant check into the bank, the bank closed and the depression hit and the dust bowl came and his grandfather moved them all to California and he went through and he walked through this whole thing but the one thing that was at the end of the speech that he made and he didn't give God the glory and that's sad but he talked about how every time when they didn't think, know how anything was going to work out or what they were going to do or where the food was going to come from it came in and that is the God that we serve. And that is where we understand how God works through first fruit. So the fullness of time. And then it said Abel brought the firstlings or bought the first, uh, the, the first uh, fruits. And then it said he brought of their fat. I taught this this morning, but I felt I need to recap. And when it says he brought of their fat, it's speaking of that without spot and blemish. It's speaking of that which is 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 uh, perfect, but it's also speaking of that which is a sacrifice. Now, I want to go to another place, and I want to build on this because a first fruits offering is always sacrificial. Remember one other thing I said? The tithe is the first 10% of the harvest you have. Anybody get a paycheck this week? 
Even if it's gone now, you got one, right? <laughs> well, think about this. Your tithe is the first 10% of that paycheck. But first fruits offering is a sacrificial portion of the harvest you want. A better house, a promotion, a prodigal to come home and start serving God. These are all the harvests that we're believing for. But in the book of uh, Genesis in chapter 22, I'm going to read this to you. Verse 13, then Abraham... Let me set it up. Remember when God required of Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac? Anybody ever sat? You ever sat with one? Try to get your mind around that. I mean, I, I can't in any way fathom, you know, having to come to that place. But yet we read here in God's word where Abraham, in verse 13, said, then he brings him, he lashes him to the altar. I, I want to tell you, Isaac must have been a great kid. Listen, I'd have had a very strong disagreement with Dad. Dad, I'm not near as sure about this as you are. <laughs> you know, I, I don't understand this. You know, so he probably saw his dad sharpening that knife. There's a lot of things that he went through. But verse 13, then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horn. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name, listen, this is what I want to key in on. He called the name of the place, we know it as Jehovah Jireh. It says here in the, in, in the word I'm reading, the Lord will provide. And as it is said to this day, the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Now, here's what I want you to catch. We know that we call God Jehovah Jireh the Lord our provider. We understand that, don't we? But Abraham didn't call God that. He named that spot on that mountain that. And the reason is the place of your most ultimate sacrificial offering is always the place that God provides. God gave Susan and I a word. It was already in the word, but someone prophesied to us years ago. Every time you get to that, that extreme place of, sacri of sacrifice, you'll always be able to raise up your eyes and look and see a ram hung in a thicket. And I have to tell you, 40, 40 years of ministry, we've seen that. We've been at places when we didn't know how it was coming together, but we would do what God said and, and, and be sacrificial in our planting of seed, our giving, our sowing and every time we would raise we would raise up and we would see that ram hung in a thicket and so I, you say why why are you talking about this tonight because i want you to understand that first fruit offering are sacrificial they're not convenient they're not easy they're, they're a sacrifice uh, of your heart, of surrendering to God. They're also, listen to this, God's Word says obedience is better than sacrifice. And here's something I can tell you, and you think about it, I think you'll agree with me. How many of you have noticed that true obedience to God is always sacrificial? <laughs> think, think about it. I, you know, I, I remember... Numerous times when God told us to give away something, 
And I, I remember, you know, when I first started, I was immature. You know, I was probably a little selfish. You know, with that, and God told me to give away a vehicle. And I said, Lord, I worked hard for that vehicle. Yeah, it's got 300,000 miles on but I can, t you know, come on. But God would tell us, and we'd be obedient, and we were sacrificially give, and we watched God provide in a, in a very <laughs> astounding, miraculous way for us. Making sense to you? Yeah. All right. I'm going to tie this together tonight. I went to the wrong one there. Let me go back, go back to this. Uh, there we go. And so when we understand, uh, it also goes on to say there that God respected Abel's offering but he didn't respect Cain. And the word respect means God stood amazed. Now, think about that. God stood amazed and showed favor as a result of Cain's giving. I, I don't think I hit it hard enough this morning. I was kind of backing through the message. But see, Abel brought his offering out of conviction. Cain brought his out of preference. Do you know that what I find as I travel in the body of Christ, there's two groups of people in churches. There are those who live by conviction. You know that when God convicts you, faith comes with that? Anybody here ever been convicted? I'm a... I'm not going to boast in that, but I'm a speed reader. I took f five speed reading courses, and I read very fast, and I retain a lot. And I used to go into bookstores, Christian bookstores, and read the books and not buy them. And God convicted me. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, I want you to go back and buy those books. One of them was in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I went back to the bookstore and I bought it off the shelf and I brought it home because it wasn't right. Because I'm, I'm telling you, I can, I can speed read it fast enough that I could pick up a Dad Hagen book. And I mean, they were easy, but I could pick up books and retain 80% of them. Now, I'm not boasting in my, but what I'm telling you, when conviction comes, because I remember telling Susan, our next trip out to the Navajo Indians, when we go through Albuquerque, I get to get off the interstate and go to that Christian bookstore and I got to buy that book. Because God brought conviction. But with that conviction, there was a faith. Okay? In 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8, we looked at this this morning, and God is able. Everybody say, God is able. To make all grace abound towards you, that you, look at your neighbor and say, that's you. Now look at your neighbor and say, that's me. Let me go back to this. He can make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. How many of you would love to be a greater giver? And when I'm talking that, I, you know, I'm talking about be able to give larger amounts than you're presently giving. Uh, last year when my wife and I did our personal taxes, we gave somewhere just under 40% of our personal income away. We didn't get there overnight. I want to say to young people here, young people in the Lord and young people, we didn't get there overnight, did we, Susan? And we didn't sit down and figure it up that we're going to try to give 40%. We just give as God tells us to. And when we did our taxes, we found out that we were giving. We have had years as high as 43% of everything that comes to us, we give away. Now, we didn't start there. 
I'm telling you, we went through a five-year period of time that there was nothing, there was not a new clothes article brought into our house for our children, my wife or me. We knew what hand-me-downs were. Can I tell you what? I don't regret those days. I'm not ashamed by those days. We were in the boot hill of Missouri pioneering a church out in the middle of a bean field. There wasn't anything near it. Lived on BB Highway in, in Missouri. We called it, my kids called it BB King Highway. When we got there, the, we went to help a group of pilgrim holiness people, got baptized in the Holy Ghost, filled with the Spirit, wanted to go full gospel, and we went there to help them, and they said, we'll rent you a house if you'll come here and help us build a church. When we got there, the, the, the master bedroom, you call it, the, the biggest bedroom in the house, we had to take the closet doors off because when, all we had was a king-size bed. And when we set it up, when I got up in the morning, my feet went off the edge of the bed. They went into the closet. Am, am I telling the truth? I mean, on her side of the bed, she could see possums under the house at night. That's when she learned to sleep with a pistol. One day, while we were gone to church, someone came and stole all our kids' bikes, brand new bikes that her mother and dad had sent to them in Missouri. And I remember we sat around the dining, the lunch, you know, uh, I'm sure maybe Pastor Chad and his family know him, but, you know, every, everything we ate every Sunday, we didn't go out to eat. We, it was in the crock pot, and it was ready when we got home. And we sat down to eat, and we prayed and said, Lord, bring those bikes back. We forgive whoever did this. Bring the bikes back. It wasn't 30 minutes into that meal, and the deputy sheriff pulled up, came, knocked on the door, and he said, y'all missing any bikes? Yeah. Well, I caught three little boys putting bikes in a cupboard down there, <laughs> and our bikes were back. And I remember my three little, little kids. That was, I'm trying to remember. Bobby Dean would have been eight years old. He's the youngest. They were pretty young, and I remember them sitting at the table with hands and tears running down their face and thanking God. And I'm thankful for those experiences that my children experience. How does God make grace abound to you? He, he makes grace abound to you by your willingness to be obedient to what he is doing. Now, let me find one other set of notes, and we're going to tie together and take some questions. Number one, tithing is in relationship to what you already have. Everybody say, already have. Already First fruits is in relationship to what God wants you to have. How many of you believe God wants you to have an abundant harvest? Yes. I, I, if you're hearing me talk about uh, trying to t sell you on getting rich, I believe God wants you to be wealthy. And let me tell you what wealth is. To some people, to some people, it's, it's, it's a step up from where they are. But it doesn't mean that everybody. See, God did not give. He gave 10 talents to one guy. He gave five talents to one guy, and he gave one talent. See, he really, he's not going to give you what you can't handle. You can go out and acquire things. I had a conversation at lunch today about the lottery, you know, I've kind of did some studying and looking into it. Do you know how disastrous the lottery has been, even to Christian? I've only found one couple 
who wanna, ended up with $110 million, didn't even come forth for one year. They waited to the last day they could come forth, and they had everything set in place. And for the first five years of winning $110 million after taxes, all they allowed themselves to have was $50,000 a year of that money. And they gave their children, I think it was either 15 or 25, had three children. And they had people in place to start investing it. And about seven or eight years ago, the last time I checked on this couple, they'd taken $110 million and turned it into $300 million. And you know what they were doing with a lot of their money? They were supporting missionaries in Africa. But that doesn't happen to most people. They don't invest it. They don't tithe off of it. I remember in the little town we pastored one time, a couple won the lottery, a lot of money. And I remember what they were interviewed on TV and said, well, we, we know that you are churchgoers. Did you do anything for the church? Now, I'm talking about they won like $25 million. And they said, yeah, we bought the choir. It was a very small Methodist church. We brought the choir, all new choir robes. How many of you know that wasn't a tithe and that wasn't, it's pleasing to God. Selfishness can come out. The tithe relates to what you make. First fruit relates to what, relates to what God wants you to make. How many of you believe God wants to increase? Yeah. Amen? <laughs> he wants you to increase. I've had a burning desire for years and years, we got to talking about one of the first churches we built in Tennessee. I wanted to buy land. I went and looked at land, but it just wasn't the timing. But here we are. We've bought land in Arkansas. The next one, tithing relates to past productivity. When you tithe off of what you've already worked and brought in. But first fruits relates to your future productivity. How many of you believe there's a crop, there's a harvest coming? I had a, a dream. I was on about an hour and a half conversation about a dream. I can't go into the dream right now, but it was about harvest. I said it this morning a little bit. We are, we are, we are entering into a time that we're going to see a harvest that's going to be mighty. I was very, very touched and stirred this morning you know, I shared a little bit about chains. I, I hear chains falling. I think that's how the song goes. And then some of you came forward, and I and I saw something that you don't see everywhere. I didn't just see people come forward, get prayed for, and get blessed. I saw tears running down your face. I saw a sincerity of God touching people today. How many of you know he wants to work with you, but he wants us to be humble, and he wants us to be uh, surrendered to him? And I, I saw something on people that came forth today, on men and women, uh, of being willing to yield theirself to God. And God wants to do it. So tithing, uh, uh, tithing relates to what you produced in the past. First fruits always relates to what you're going to produce in the future. Tithing protects what you've already made. First fruits protects what you want to make. It makes sure the crop comes in. Tithing represents our pre your present needs. First fruits represents the increase over the next 12 months. Everybody say increase. increase. How many of you want to get to that place? Tonight, the last thing we're going to do, if you want to come forward, we're, we're going to pray for you for debt reduction. 
Everybody say debt reduction. Is there anybody here against debt reduction? Had a couple, had a couple in Pocahontas, Arkansas. I taught this years ago, a long time ago. And they had a $65,000 hospital bill and they were coming down on them hard about it. And this couple came up and said, we need a miracle on this hospital bill. We just can't pay it. And I said, well, do you have some first fruits? And they said, yes. And I said, is it sacrificial? And they said, yes. I said, do you mind, help me understand how it's sacrificial? And they said, it's the last 65 cents we have to our name. He said, in fact, I just sent my wife out to the car to dig around, and she found six more cents, which gave us 65 cents. And I heard God say, give them a dollar. That doesn't sound like much, but that's what he told me to do. He didn't say give them 10, didn't say give them 100. He said, give them a dollar. And they gave a dollar and 65 cents into that first fruits offering that night. And about a month later, the pastor called me and said, you're not going to believe it. I said, what? And he said, you know that couple that only had 65 cents and you gave them a dollar? I said, yeah. The hospital just contacted me. The bill's been paid in full. Now, let me just tell you, to that couple, <laughs> it was miraculous. They were really under, because he was worried where he worked, he, and I, I don't mind, you know, he worked for the sanitation department. Not that that's a, a low, but the sanitation department had a, a protocol that if his wages were garnished, he was fired. And they were afraid that they were going to garnish his wages and, and he was going to lose his job completely. The old car that they drove to church in, they bought at a junkyard. And he'd got it going, didn't even have a hood on it. You know, but yet they were in service. I mean, every night that I preached here that week, they were there, and God gave them a miracle. Now, let me give you some promises to those who don't just give first fruits, but practice first fruits. How many of you realize you got to have the right attitude? This is not this is not something you do to get out of jail, to uh, uh, get a get out of jail free card. Amen. This is not something you do so you can pass go and collect two hundred dollars. This must become a way of life of where you release release your faith and God works with you. We have been doing it since 1991. I have a spiritual son here tonight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have him testify here in a minute because Matt, how, how long have we been running together now? You keep up with it better. Ten years? We've been running. And when they came in, they started catching this, and I've watched them. They went from living in a part of Memphis where it was very expensive and crime was a little bit higher and all this. They own their own home. They got three wonderful children. And uh, I mean, I've watched God prosper them in a tremendous way through this first fruit. But here's some promises. And they're not in any priority. I'm just giving them to you. First one, your barns will overflow. How many of you would like to have such a harvest that you got to build bigger barns? Yes. You know, I come from a farming background, and one of the things that, that we uh, 
Always did. We always made sure we had enough grain bins or enough stock and rice and foods or whatever so we had somewhere to carry crops to. Number two, your vats will brim with new wine. That speaks to, that, that's more than just something, it's something spiritual. That speaks about joy and it speaks about the anointing. How many of you like to have more joy? Come on, wouldn't we all? I mean, I like to have a good time. I like to be, I'm not talking about being foolish, but I like to be lighthearted and to be jovial. But I also like to have the anointing of God upon my life. You know, Smith Wigglesworth sat in a train car one time, and a guy sitting across from him said, you just convict me. Come on, it was the anointing that was on him because he was, he was sold out. I've been to, uh, I don't know whether to tell there was some bad, but I've been to Smith Wigglesworth where he's buried at five times. I've prayed there. One of the times I was there, I picked up a, a stone there. True story, I brought it back. And I told it that this stone came from there. I was, you know, I'm not prideful, but I was proud that I had this stone from him. And a lady came to me and said, I believe God spoke during the service about that stone. I said, what? He said, if you'll touch me with it, I'll be healed. I, you know, I stood there. I didn't say this to her, but this is what I thought. So it be unto you by your faith. Yes. But I touched it to her forehead and she was healed. Wow. Are you hearing me? I don't know if there's an anointing in it or it's just a point of contact for her faith. But I do know the healing was real. And what she was battling with went away. Number three. There will be blessings that will rest upon your household. I cannot stress this enough. Your household is not the building you live in that's got shingles on, on top. Right here's part of pastor's household. And here, and this beautiful one right here. It's our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. And God wants, he, he wants a blessing, a cause blessing to come up on your lineage. Let me share with you, there's a guy, if any of you ever listen to the call, there's a guy that comes on the call with me five days a week, uh, as he can, and his name is Dan Blackster. And Dan and his wife are just incredible people. Uh, they have their own children, and they've started adopting children. And I, I, th I have to tell you, I think that's so great. I mean, you know, Susan and I are... I'm not looking to start over raising kids. Amen? That's the, one, that's the reason that grandchildren are so wonderful. You can send them home when you're tired of them. <laughs> Some of you don't know what I'm talking about yet. Our grandchildren are all put up pretty good age now. But, uh, but anyway, Dan was faced with his two own daughters of starting to college. They're only a year apart. And he had given a first fruits offering for them to be provided. And he shared on the call last week that these two daughters of his got $225,000 in scholarships. Wow. Let, me, let me just tell you, I know this guy. He is wealthy in the spiritual things of God. But I, I think right now they got three foster children and just adopted a, a, a four, a, a, another child that they had. He, you know, he's, he's challenged a little bit financially. Uh, how, how many of you have noticed your grocery bills a lot higher for a lot less? Okay. So he's challenged. So God came through and gave his daughters these scholarships. Their, their college is secure. 
Here's another one. God sends the angels before you. Oh, um, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna read the scripture. But I'm gonna give them to you. Uh, the the where the blessing rests in your house. That's in Ezekiel 44:30. This one's in 23:20. Angel, he will send angels before you to prepare the way. This morning there was a couple. I don't think they're back tonight. They were visiting here. Uh, and I, they had their daughter with them, and I saw something, and I saw an angel standing behind their daughter. And I went and gave them uh, a word. But how many of you know God wants us to partner with the angels? The angel armies have been bored. They, they have been idle. And they're looking for people that will allow them to work with them so we can get more things done. Can I? How many of you love me just a little bit? All right, hold your hands up if you do. I'm, we're going to take count. We're going to count in a minute. Our security cameras, I got it, I got it in my phone. Our security cameras are, are picking up angels moving on our property. Wow. That's awesome. I mean... Not only that, my son-in-law, before they moved in their house recently up here, he, they didn't know what was on the security camera because it comes into my phone, and I hadn't even looked at it. He gets up at 5 o'clock in the morning to come in and work out in the gym, and he sees this, we'll call it an orb, but he sees this presence outside his pickup windshield, and it travels all the way into Harrison with him. And so he's telling us about it. I get around to looking at the security camera, and the same thing he described he saw out of his windshield of his pickup, the camera comes on, picks it up, it's moving like this, and then the light comes on. The motion light comes on. Now, I want you to hear something. Our land is no more special than your land. I don't believe that. But yet we're picking up on angelic, activity on the land out there. The couple that came to visit us, he is a Iraqi veteran. He had seven or eight IEDs go off around him. His platoon called him Angel Man. He was in a tank and they were shelling for hours and he has had struggles with PTSD. And, it, and one of the things that affects him is he has trouble sleeping. And every time, he's been here with Matt before, every time he comes up and stays on the land up there, he sleeps like a baby. I asked him today, how'd you sleep last night, Jesse? Slept like a baby. See, I believe there's a peace in that land. I believe the angels are there because it's a peace. But you can have peace in your land. God wants to heal the land that you, that you have, and he wants it to be peaceful. Number five, God will become an enemy to your enemy. That's Ezekiel 23, 22. Number six, God will overcome the establishment to bring you victory. Let me just tell you what's coming. Churches like this, big... Let me choose my language right here. Big fortified churches which are growing are being downsized because they're not relevant today. They're going to come and ask ministries like this, will you take our building? We'll give it to you. I heard the other day that I, I read the other day that a Presbyterian church 
had been asking a million dollars and they sold it for a lot less to the city of Harrison. I've read that. Well, I'm just telling you, they're going to come and look up ministries like the other ministry. This is not the only, they're going to look up ministries that are are Bible that are relevant to the culture of cities and towns, and they're going to say, hey, we, we can't fill our building. Would you just come and start meeting there? Yes. It's coming. You say, why would you say that? But the Lord told me. I see it coming. And I believe we're, we're, we're going to see those things take place in a very, very significant way. Am I making sense to you? Yes. How about this one? God will annihilate the establishment. He will annihilate the establishment. What is that? Well, how many of you realize what's going on in the political arena right now is, is a Leviathan spirit? It's been set up and... Pastor and I and talked about him not trying to cause you trouble, but some of what's the structure that's in our nation that's taking us down a dark road comes out of Freemasonry. Am I saying that to offend you? Uh, please, just give me a little bit of grace. You know, to become a 33rd degree Mason, do you know what prayer you have to pray? It's called a Luciferian prayer. You pray to Lucifer. It's right in their book. Can I tell you how I know this? My father was a 33rd degree. And when he got born again, he denounced it. And one of the things that spoke to him was that prayer. And I just asked him one day, I said, Dad, do you realize you prayed to Lucifer, to Satan? No, I didn't. I, he looked at his book and he said, oh, my God, son, this is not good. And he repented. And he asked to be cleansed of that. And you know where Freemasonry really got a lot of its own? From Arkansas. A man named Albert Pike, who fought in the Battle of Pea Ridge, not far from here. He actually wrote a lot of the dogma for free. He re-overhauled Freemasonry and carried it a lot more demonic. But can I tell you, right now, Freemasonry is dying more in the state of Arkansas than any other state in the Union. And I think that's a good thing. But yet there are people that will argue with you and and, and let me just share, if you're a Freemason, you're here, I'm not condemning you. I'm trying to enlighten you. Am I, am I being gentle enough, Pastor? I don't, I'm not trying to condemn you in any way. So please don't write me any hate mail. Because if you do, I love the delete button. Amen. I'm, I'm not I'm with it. I've did my studies. I've taught on this numerous times. And I watched what happened. Do you know that during the time my dad was a Freemason, he had five heart attacks? Lived through every one of them. He denounced it all and got up and never had another heart attack. He had his last heart attack when he was, he got born again at 60 when he was about 58 years old and he lived to be 81 years old. And he never had another heart attack. You might not think there's, the, the year that my dad became a Freemason, I was struck down with a disease, encephalitis. I was paralyzed for seven months from the waist down. I believe there's a correlation to that. Now, I'm going to get off of this. But that Leviathan spirit is very fortified in this nation. Okay? Uh, number eight, you find it in Exodus 23, 24. God will destroy, will cause us to destroy religious traditions. 
Anybody ever heard the term closed communion? It's real big in Memphis and a lot of churches. If you go to that church, unless you're a member, you can't take communion there. Let me just tell you, I, I may have noticed I'm very opinionated. I don't apologize. That's the doctrines of devils. I said, listen, the, the, God's word is very clear. It said, don't take it unless we judge ourselves. Are you hearing me? We, we need to know we're standing where we should be to take the Lord's table. Amen? Amen. But yet they, they will stop people in churches in Memphis, and it happens other places, but I'm well aware after, past, after leading a, a work there for years. Let me move on. How about this? Your, uh, Exodus 23, 25, your daily provisions will be blessed. We drove back and forth. The Lord told us one time to go to some meetings in Little Rock. We live 60 miles away. We drove back and forth for 11 days to those meetings on a quarter tank of fuel and still had a quarter tank of fuel when the meetings were over. Now, let me just share. When I share this, if you have a hard time believing it, I, I don't fault you. I lived it. I know it happened. But, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to force anything on you, and I'm not trying to make you think I, we're special. I was in Bakersfield, California on Weed Patch Highway at Bruce's truck stop, and the Lord told me, he said, go home, don't drive a truck again, and go to this 11 days of meetings. And he said, and when you finish the meetings, lock yourself in a prayer closet for five months. My wife loved me. She thought I went off the deep end when I was talking about, we had a business that I turned over to her to run for five months. Every morning I got up at four o'clock, pastor, and I went in, I got my son out of bed, I carried him and put him in bed with her, and I locked myself in that room with a King James, and, and I don't even know that, with a Bible, because I don't promote the King James over any other, but I locked myself with nothing, never read a book for five months. Did I do that? Every day had three encounters where Jesus came into the, that bedroom and spoke to me. It changed my life. But can I tell you what happened at the 11 days of meeting? 3,000 people, 2,500 to 3,000 people were in attendance to this meeting. The man that was leading the meeting gave 12 prophecies in 11 days. I got 11 of them. Now, did you hear what I just said? 3,000 people, 11 days of meetings, 12 prophecies, and he prophesied over me 11 times. My life changed. I began to move in the gifts of the Spirit. I began to move in words of knowledge. God had told me in California, go back home, go to this meeting. You, you have to understand that God wants to destroy religious tradition. Let me tell you what religion does. It redefines truth to accommodate its own weaknesses. You ever had anybody, do you really believe God heals? Yeah, I do. They'll, you know, they approach it, they, they want to redefine it. Or, do you really believe there's prophets today? Yes, I do. You know, do you really believe God wants us to prosper and be in health? Is our soul prophet? Yeah, I do. That's what his word says. But we have to move out of that religious tradition that makes the word of God of none effect. Let me go a little further. 
uh, your daily provisions, sickness. This is in Exodus 23, 25 as well. Sickness will be eradicated. Yeah, think about it. There is a place. We've had people give first fruits offering for their, their healing to be completed. There's many ways that God heals. He heals through the laying on of hands. We, I, I think I shared it the last time I was here, but it's, it's just such an incredible testimony. A little boy named Noah, who's now four, I think. I think his last birthday turned four. But when he was in his mother's womb, the ultrasound showed that his brain was not formed, his kidneys were located in the wrong place, his heart was located, all of this stuff. And, he, and yet, through prayer and a touch of God, everything was corrected and he was born normal. Listen, you'll never, you'll never convince the doctor because she has two different ultrasounds. One, it shows all of this, and her words were, this, this is all there in this ultrasound. And this ultrasound doesn't have any of it. God can do it. He can do it. How about this one? We've actually seen ladies, husbands and wife, plant first fruits offering and it stopped miscarriage and barrenness. How many miscarriages did uh, Cherie have? You remember, Susan? Uh, I think it was more than that. But anyway, she, I mean, it was one after other. And they finally, not finally, they sold a first fruits offering. And <laughs> the most incredible little boy was born to them. We've seen barren wombs open up. We've seen miscarriages cut off. Am I making sense to you? I, I love this one. Number 12, your appointed days will be fulfilled. How many of you read what it says about David in the book of Acts? It says, when King David served his generation well, he slept with the Lord. I discovered that 40 years ago, almost. And I've, I've been praying, Lord, I just want to serve my generation well. I want to, with that, I don't, I don't, I want to finish what he put me in the earth to, to do and to finish. And that's your, and that what you want? Yes. You want to finish it. And so he will, first fruits can work to see your appointed days in the earth fulfilled. How many of you realize some people die premature? Amen. It doesn't mean they're sin in their life. Anybody know who Rodney Howard Brown is? Some of you do. Anybody know the story about his daughter, Kelly? Kelly was born with cystic fibrosis. And she really battled with it. And on Christmas Day, well, first off, he called in three men of God that he trusted. One man of God said she'd be healed. The other man of God said, work the word. You know, take what the word of God has said and work it. And the third told him that she would not be healed. She'd go to be with the Lord. The third man, he ran out. He was actually in his home. He ran him out of his home. Called him, the guy left driving back to where he's from. Rodney called him and said, why would you tell a dad his daughter's not going to be healed? And the man asked him, he's a prophet. And he asked him, he said, you brought me there to tell you what God was saying. That's what I heard. And so Rodney asked him, he said, why is she not going to be healed? He said, because she's already tasted of the sweetness of the other side. And it's 
her healing is there in the sweetness. She wants to be with the Lord and not suffer anymore. I don't know if you've ever been around anybody with sisters fibrosis, but it is it very it, it's very challenging. On Christmas Day, Rodney's holding his daughter, and she goes to be with the Lord. About three or four months after that, him and his wife were in Kelly's room cleaning it out. Finally got, you know, it wasn't easy for mom and dad to go in there. They're going through stuff, and he sees her Bible, and he picks it up. And in a moment of flesh, he flung it across the room, and when he did, a piece of paper comes flying out. And he goes and picks it up, and it's a letter she'd put in there to her mom and dad. And this is what it says. I don't want to let you down. But the battle's too great, and I've tasted of the sweetness of the other side. I've tasted of my healing. I just want to be in the presence of the Lord. Please forgive me if I let you down, mom and dad. And total peace came to Rodney when he read that. See, how, how many of you know people that are really struggling... A friend of mine, close, close friend of mine, Dwayne Miller, Dr. Dwayne Miller has a church in Little Rock. His wife, Amy, went to be with the Lord last fall. And we know uh, one of our spiritual daughters, Lakeisha, had a dream. And in it, Amy said in the dream, if I stay here, it's because I desire to. But if I go to be with the Lord, it's because the goodness is so good there, I want to be there. And she went to be with the Lord. And so God gives people that choice. I don't, I don't, listen, think about it. Stay here, be in the presence of the Lord. We all want to live. I want to, I want to live. I, you know, I'm just telling you, I'm, I'll be 69 here next month. And I really do believe I've got 20 to five more years left in me that I'm going to burn the candle on both ends and in the middle. And then after that 25, I'm going to slow down and just burn it on both ends. I'm being a little bit humorous, but what I'm telling you is I want to live all of my days in the earth. And I believe God can help us, and I know first fruits can, can do that for us as well. Now, let me finish up. Uh, our appointed days will be filled. Uh, Ezekiel 23, 27 tells us that our enemies will be confused. Yes. <laughs> That's not a bad thing. Uh, it also tells us in 2328 that hornets will be used against our enemies. Uh, in 23 verse 30, it says our enemies will be driven out of our life little by little. Uh, in uh, uh, 2330 as well, it speaks about he'll give us increased territories. Uh, in Ezekiel 23:31, it says, we'll establish reigning territory by picking up default destinies. Catherine Kuhlman, whether you a fan of hers or not, very powerfully used of God, not a perfect vessel, but very powerful. She said that God tried to put that mantle of healing and signs and wonders on 10 men who rejected before it came on her. I know for a fact but because the man that did it, a man defaulted on his apostleship and it came on me. I know that because God told me and I know that because the man finally got back to a place with God and came and told me. Said what God tried to put on my life and I wouldn't run with, it came on you when I defaulted on it. God will give you that of other ministries because they default on their destiny. Then in my last one, 
It's in Ezekiel 23, 31 as well. You'll be established. How many of you know God wants to establish you as a witness for him? Yes. Amen. Amen. I want to be a witness for him. Susan and I, one of the most amazing things that we experience is we have connected with a lot of our former classmates that we went to school with. And the one thing that they say to us that just, you know, they friends with us on Facebook. You know, you might be against social media. I use it as an avenue to, to uh, counsel with people and to pray for people and all that. But this is what they say, and it just it blows our mind. It said, y'all live the life all of us want to. No, we live the life that we want to. We surrender to God. We, we ask God, is it your will to buy land in Arkansas? Is it your will to trade car? Is it your will? I sowed first fruits today. I'd prayed about it. I asked the Lord. He gave me a figure. Whoever counts the money here, if you, when you see it, you'll see she wrote the check. Not because she controls the money, but she's the bookkeeper. And I, I had her cut the check this morning, made out to this ministry. But see, God wants you to prosper. All right? Last one, you've already heard it. Ezekiel 44, 30 says, The best of all the first fruits of any kind and every sacrifice of any kind from all your sacrifices shall be the priest. Also you shall give the priest the first of your ground meal to cause a blessing to rest upon your house. Remember the Shudamite lady? She recognized the man of God. She recognized the anointing on his life. She told her husband, said, let's, let's build a room. First thing she did was when he stopped by the first time or two, she fed him. Let me tell you what I know about her. She must have been a southern lady because he kept coming back for the food. Amen? But then she said to her husband, let's build a room. Let's put a bed. Let's put a table. Let's put a lamp. In other words, she sacrificed for the anointing. And then he prophesied to her, said, about this time next year, you're going to hold a baby. You're going to hold a son, is actually what it said. And then we see that that son was born, and it was out in the field with his dad, so it wasn't still a baby. Time had elapsed, and his head began to hurt, and he fell dead. But see, because she had built a place for the anointing to rest in her house, she took that child who was dead and she carried him in and she put him on that bed and she ran for the anointing. And she says two or three times, it is well with my soul. I heard Sister Billy Brim teach this. And I went and, not that I doubt her, I wanted to know more about it and I discovered it. But one of those times where she said, it is well with my soul, she actually said shalom or peace. You know, the word shalom means nothing broken, nothing missing. One of those times when she said that, when she ran to the anointing and the anointing came back with her, the man, now get your eyes off the man. It wasn't the man that raised this child from the dead, it was the anointing in his life. And he went in where the child was laying on the bed and he put his eyes to his eyes, his mouth to his mouth, and his hands to his hand. And the child was raised from the dead. I'm going to divert for just a moment. How, how many of you know that God's got a, his hand on you and he's got a call to ministry on your life? Now, let, let me share with you. That's everybody in the room. 
<laughs> Let's just get real. It's everybody's room. But can I tell you what? Everyone that's called to a ministry will come to that place to where it dies, and you're going to have to put it in the bed and let the anointing resurrect it. You know why? Because we get too much of us in it. I just knew when I, God told me he'd call me to be a prophet and all this. I just, you know, the, the prophet of the day back then was David Wilkerson. And I just knew that I was going to get in front of David Wilkerson. He was going to look out there and said, young man, the Lord shows me you're a prophet. I want you to come and travel with me. Never happened. <laughs> Are you hearing me? Wasn't God's way. Then, uh, you know, I just knew that the call was on me. And a lady come to me and she said, the, I, I feel like I'm supposed to pay for you to go to Bible college and support your family fully the whole time you're there. I said, well, let me pray about it. How many of you know praying is a good thing? And the Lord said, no. I said, I'm going to accept this, Lord, but can you help me understand? And this is what he said. It's not that Bible college is wrong. I have a doctorate. In theology, I have a master's in Christian counseling. It's not, I'm not saying Bible called wrong. It was just wrong. The Lord said, no, they'll put things in you. It'll take me too long to get out of you. <laughs> so I did distant learning. In fact, I laid it down when I was in my, went into my 40s, and the Lord spoke to me when I turned 50. He said, I want you to go back and pick it up and get your doctorate. Finish up your master's. Lord, I said, this old mind not as sharp as it was 10 or 15 years ago, but I did it. I pressed in, and I finished it up. All of this ties to first fruit. How many of you realize this? It's going to sound foolish. But how many of you realize that you're greater than you've yet become? Yes. Think about that. Whether it's this woman here, or this young woman, or here, this person, or you, or right here, or you. You're greater. There's a greatness in you because we have Holy Spirit inside of us. And there's a greatness in us. And He wants that greatness to come out. And first fruits works in a way to do it. Now, I'm through teaching. I want to pray for anyone that wants to be prayed for. But before we do, we're going to take. Five minutes, so don't linger. Anybody got a question? Good question to ask this morning. Anybody got a question about first fruits? Good place for Jeopardy music. All right, you got a question? All right. Yes, sir. Okay, say that again. Is it a certain amount? There are some teachings out of Jewish history that says it runs between 1.7 and 2.5%. How many of you realize Jewish customs put you a little bit under the law? So I don't teach it that way. Let me tell you how I can answer you properly. Great question, by the way. What's your name? Thank you for the maturity of wanting to ask this question. It's always sacrificial. It's always. It's never convenient. It's never easy. You've got to reach way down into that place 
and, and be sacrificial. So I don't believe, I, I, from my heart of faith and living in South since 1991, I don't believe now that I can tell you a certain amount. I run with people who believe. In fact, they're, they're, I'm studying into some things that I just heard recently to expand this message, but I want to study it and know it. I don't preach theory. And if I would mention this right now, it would be theory to me, and I don't, I don't do that. Everything you'll ever hear me preach is working in our life. It's been tested. Amen? And, you know, you, whether you talk about who you want to, uh, these men of God and women of God, they're, they're you know, I, Brother Copeland, you know, when I have had the chance to sit under his ministry, he's living what he's preaching. I know some people are, are critical about some of it, but I'm just telling you, he's living it. He's a giver. Him and Jerry Savelle contacted our ministry back in the 90s because they knew I worked with the Navajo Indians. And they said, we want to bless the Navajo with some sound equipment. Would you be responsible to get it distributed. I said, yeah. And they said, well, we're going to send you a truck loaded with equipment. I, you know, I started dreaming for the biggest U-Haul truck you could get. You know, in those days, it had been a 24-footer probably. When it showed up, it was a 53-foot trailer behind an 18-wheeler. You know, we were able to completely install sound in 40 Navajo churches with what they gave. Are you hearing me? They just bought it, shipped it to Arizona. I went out there, I met with them, and we helped get it installed in all of those churches out there. Listen, you've got to be around people that give. Great question, young man. Thank you for your candor to, be, to feel free to ask it. Who else has got a question? Way in the back, holler, holler it out for us. Or come up the front. Yeah, come on up here. I tried holler. <laughs> so first fruits uh, comes from conviction okay uh, can that conviction come to tell you to give to someone other than just the ministry that you're with yeah I mean first fruits can be sown in to another I believe I teach this I believe the majority of your tithes and offerings should go where there is a life source where there's meat in the storehouse okay but I also tell my people, and I teach them, because I want it to be, I want them to have liberty. If you're on your way to church, and you see a family broke down on the side of the road, and they need new fan belts or an alternator, and you feel, and God tells you to go buy them alternator with your tithes and offering, do it. So I don't want to put you under the law with it, but I, uh, first fruits can go to another another ministry. Yes, I do believe that. Uh, we sow first fruits. We sow it into the uh, richest soil we can find. If I discovered out east of Omaha, Arkansas, on I live on Pen Oak Lane, a plant that would cure cancer, and I got a hold to some of the seed, do you think I'm going to plant that in poor soil or good soil? And so when it comes to a sacrificial offering of first fruits, I'm all the time, I, we want to plant it in the best soil we can find so that it will give the best return on the seed. You know, if this plant I found only produced five seeds, 
I'm going to try to plant those five seeds in the most fertile soil under the best conditions I can so that we can get more seed. And so, yes, I do believe that God can have you do that, uh, plant it in uh, uh, other ministries and everything. I don't believe that God has us. A lot of people believe just because a ministry is bigger or more on TV or what, that's the right place. It could be the right place, but it don't necessarily have to be the right place. Amen? Another question? No? Yes? Let me just tell you, the only stupid question there is is the one that's not asked. And if I don't have the answer, that's the reason I have Matt here tonight with me. All right, before we start praying for you, sure there's no questions? Remember what it says in Malachi? Prove me. Can I tell you something I've done for 40 years? I tell people if you'll tithe and sow offerings with faith for at least six months, sow offerings in faith, if you'll do it for six months, if you've not prospered, I'll give you everything you gave back. How many want to know how much money I've given back in 40 years? Zero. We've, we've done that for 40 years, haven't we? And the people that do it, they begin to prosper. All right, we're going to pray for people in just a moment. I want Matt to come and Matt is my worship leader, our media guy. He preaches for us. He teaches in a Bible college. And, uh, and most of all, Matt and his wife are spiritual son and daughter. They're, they're sons and daughters of our heart. And uh, just a, an incredible blessing. He's up to help me. I'm building a studio to do live streaming out of our home, and he's up to help me plug all the cables in the right place. And so uh, that's his, that, he, he's, he's a great at a lot of things, but that's one of his strengths. Thank you. That's my Papa Clay, my spiritual dad, my apostle, and an honor to be here with you all, and always an honor to sit under Clay's teaching. Everyone take a deep breath. It's a little spooky, some of his teaching, talking about angels and Freemasonry. He'll take you somewhere. <laughs> I want to share two testimonies specifically about first fruits in my life. The first one, uh, they're all so good. One of the things that Clay said is consistent giving really is the key to this because it's a posture of our heart. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a positioning of our faith to not just believe in something, but know that it's a part of our growth and our development. And uh, this must have been four and a half years ago. It's before our daughter was born, our first child. And we sowed the most significant first fruits offering for our family as it was growing. And so we declared in this first fruits that there would be health over our child, over the delivery process, over um, their over when they come, that they would be healthy, that they would be strong, that our family uh, would be healthy and that we would and also had to do with finances coming in and uh, just increase in our life, but mainly over health. And we sowed that first fruits and we had the most unbelievable 
uh, experience of that ch- the childbirth and and Georgia being healthy. That's my daughter Georgia Joy, and but here's what happened soon after the doctor started hearing. Um, a little rhythm, irregular rhythm in her heart, and he's kind of said, maybe at the six-month checkup, he said, it's, it's probably nothing, they usually outgrow it, and then he heard it at one year, and he said, I'm still going to wait on it, they usually outgrow it. And when she was two years old, he said, I'm still hearing it, I want you to go see a cardiologist. And I remember this first fruits, and I reminded God of that. <laughs> and I said, Lord, I sowed this into our family, and we continued to give first fruits. And so we, we have a healing room that meets once a week in our uh, local church and uh, over at CityGate. And, uh, and so we took, our, we took our daughter to the healing rooms and we declared healing and we continued to sow first fruits. And, and the doctor wanted us to see a cardiologist. And so we went to go see a, a pediatric cardiologist for our girl. And the report back from the cardiologist was, I don't know why y'all are here because all I see is a perfectly good heart. And that's a testimony of Jesus, which is the spirit of prophecy, if you read your word. And the second testimony I want to give you, oh, there's so many. We, we bought a house, and I mean, we sowed first fruits into that, uh, into that this season of our lives of purchasing a home, and we ended up getting just exactly what God had for us, and everything lined up perfectly. We had 2.25% interest rate. <laughs> Uh, yeah, our first home. And just, I mean, God is going to meet you in your deepest sacrifice and in your obedience. That's the key here is in your obedience. And I want to tell you the one that's really charged in my spirit right now is that God told my wife and I here in November and December to give to a ministry which is a great question, whoever asked this over here, to, where do you sow first fruits? You give it to a life source. And so we are, oftentimes our first fruits are in uh, towards City Gator to Apostle Clay and Susan, because they're a life source to us. And so we give where there's good soil. And there's a ministry that we're connected to in Greenville, Tennessee, where revival is breaking out and God, there's a real move of God happening there. And the Lord told my wife and I to give sacrificially. He said, give $500 there. I said, Lord, $500? He said, yeah, $500 a month. Keep giving it. And I thought, man, that's going to stretch us. But, I, but we did it. We, we walked in obedience. And you hadn't even heard this testimony yet, but I work at a... A college downtown, I oversee a worship program that I just stepped into in November, December, right about the time that the Lord asked us to sow this sacrificially into this ministry. And I stepped into a, uh, overseeing a worship leadership department of worship students coming to study worship. And, and as I stepped in, I didn't even correlate the two, the first fruits that we were sowing into this ministry in Greenville. And my oversight of this worship department. And as soon as I came into this worship department, all of a sudden revival starts breaking out in our student body where gathered worship times twice a week for 30 minutes. It's like 30 minutes of worship, 30 minutes of speaking. It's, it's, it's regimented, right? They got to go to class. It's a, it's an accredited institution. It's academic. We start seeing revival break out. Worship goes for hours at a time. And students are at the altar weeping and encountering God. 
and, and getting baptized in the spirit and praying in tongues. And they don't even know what, what it's about. It's all new to everybody. And we're starting to see revival break out. And we just hosted Chris Burns actually this um, on Friday all day. And if you don't know who he is, he's a, he's a revivalist and author and worship ministry guy and he's he he brought a word and he well he we had revival all day basically it was incredible and we had a worship night that night and we did 24 hours of worship three weeks ago where students were just radically encountering god at the altar weeping praying for each other giving each other prophetic words this is all new to all of them and they're like what is going on what is happening? Same thing happens on Friday night. Revival breaks out. We're worshiping for hours at a time. Chris is down there laying hands and imparting and blessing. Students are just encountering the Lord. And what the Lord told me in November, December, when I had struggled with this word, he said, give to this ministry sacrificially. And the Lord said, this is going to be a first fruits offering. And I said, okay. And I didn't really correlate the two. I was just struggling to understand it. But what I'm realizing now in hindsight as I'm coming away now out of a semester of overseeing this worship program is that what I was sowing into and am sowing into sacrificially as first fruits, I'm reaping a harvest of revival where I am because I'm sowing into a life source that's carrying revival where they are. And you have to follow the leadership of Jesus in your life and in your giving. You know, Pastor Chad, you said it at the beginning here. You said you become generous when you really, when you fall in love with Jesus and when you come into the faith. Generosity has to overcome you because generosity is the way of God. And when you follow the leadership of Jesus, you know what it looks like? It's the foolishness of God, which is wiser than the wisest of men. It's the weakness of God, which is stronger than the weakest, than the strongest of men. It says in 1 Corinthians 1 and 25, it says the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisest men. And the weakness of God is stronger than the strongest men. And it's not that God is foolish or that God is weak, right? But it's that our perception of what God does appears foolish to us. Or our perception of God's ways are weak to us because the kingdom is an upside down kingdom and it doesn't work like we think it should work. So when God says, so sacrificially, I remember thinking when God told me to sow in November and December, I was like, all right, I can do that if we get some more income. <laughs> like, okay, I, I can do that. I'll, I'll do it once we are on the up and up and we can make room for that. And the Lord said, what did I tell you, boy? And I obeyed and I'm doing it. It doesn't look like I think it should look, but I'm obeying. It's foolishness. Oh, but the reward is great. And I'm already seeing that reward. And, you know, it's like Jesus. When you think about the leadership of Jesus, he, it's like James and John come to him. And they're like, Jesus, there's these guys that, you know, they don't really like what we're doing. The sons of thunder, James and John. It's like, shouldn't we call down fire from heaven to destroy them? <laughs> 
And Jesus is like, I didn't come to destroy men's life, but to give them life and life more abundantly. And you, and then right after that, you can, you can imagine Jesus is like, I've given them this power to cast out devils and to heal the sick and do all this stuff, right? It's like, oh man, James and John, they don't get it. Maybe I've given them too much too quick. And even Peter, right? Even it, 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 it's Holy Week now, right? It's today's Palm Sunday. It's Resurrection Sunday next week. And even right before Jesus is arrested, Peter's chopping centurion's ear off. And Jesus is like, no, 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 and puts it on. You can imagine Jesus is like, these guys just don't get it. Maybe I gave them too much too quick. But what does Jesus do right after that? He gives that same power to 70 more people and sends them out. It seems foolish. It seems reckless. We sang about it earlier, the reckless love of God, because the ways of God are foolishness to the strategies of man here. And we have to follow the leadership and the ways of God. It looks upside down. It's not going to add up. If, you, if you're wondering, it's not going to add up. It's going to have to be sacrificial. And we read about it over and over in the scriptures. God comes through in radical ways upon your obedience. Say, my obedience. It has to do with you doing something about what God, with what God has given you. And it's going to be sacrificial and it's going to be tough. How about one more testimony real quick? Not exactly a first fruits one, but three years ago, the Lord told me, I was carrying around a Martin guitar. My wife had bought it for me. The Lord said, give that guitar away. And this was in the middle. I was writing with some folks. I was recording some projects. I was getting ready to go to Europe for six weeks and doing worship ministry with my wife and family. And the Lord said, give your guitar away. I thought, let God, no, this doesn't make sense. Let's talk, okay? I'm right. And God, I got about five good reasons. You ready? And he, he wasn't having it. So I had to sulk a little bit and just being real. But then when we recorded our last project, the, the Lord really corrected me. You know what he said? He said, you're holding up someone else's blessing. And I said, yes, Lord. And so I gave the guitar to the young woman that the Lord had on my on my heart to give it to us. I gave her the guitar, the case, the capos, the, the strap, everything. I said, the Lord told me to give it to you. It's yours. And then the weeks leading up to my trip to Europe and more writing and recording, a friend of mine said, what are you going to, what guitar are you going to take to Europe? I said, I'll take this $300 one I keep at my office at the church and it kind of stays in tune and it'll travel and I won't be out much, right? If something happens to it. Two weeks before I go to Europe, someone texts me and says, hey, there's a guitar waiting for you at the music store. And I'm like, okay, what does that mean? <laughs> so I go to the music store. I'm like, listen, I was only told this. I don't know any details. There's a guitar here waiting for me. They said, what's your name? I said, my name is Matt. And so they said, actually, yeah, there's a guitar back there with a sticky note on it that says, Matt. <laughs> Let me look at the paperwork. And they brought it out to me. And they said, this is literally what they said, their words. Sir, I don't know who you are, but this doesn't happen. This is a Martin D18 guitar, and it's fully paid for, and it's yours. $2,500 guitar with a full anthem pickup in it, $3,000. It's like, given to me. 
not just because I, not because I'm special and God loves me, but because I obeyed when God said to do what he asked me to do. And it was sacrificial. I mean, this is the guitar my wife had bought for me seven years earlier. It was my jam. This was, this was my guitar. So even when I told my wife, hey, God told me to give the guitar away, she's like, really? I said, yeah, please have a problem with it. <laughs> she said, well, <laughs> she's actually the one that said, you're holding up someone else's blessing. If you want to know how to listen, you, you want to know how to spell Holy Spirit? W-I-F-E. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's over. But it's your first fruits and your generosity is always sacrificial. The more sacrificial it is, the more God has for you. And the next level of ministry God has for you. It looks foolish, but it's the ways of God. It looks weak, but it's the ways of God for your best. And let me just leave you with this. God's best for you is not where you're at. It's ahead of you. But what's ahead of you? What obedience do you have to follow through with right now in order to get what's ahead of you? Because you can stay put and stay comfortable and stay in your pew and stay in your HVAC and be comfortable. But God's best for you is ahead of you. And there's a lot required of us right now because there's much to be done in the kingdom. And he has so much for you and so much expansion. He wants to broaden your territory. He wants to broaden your influence. And it's going to cost you because God wants you to learn how to trust him. And it's going to be something now and it's going to be bigger next month and it's going to be even bigger next year. And the sacrifices are going to get bigger, but your trust level with God's going to go up and it's going to be beautiful and your territory is going to expand and your ministry is going to multiply. Yes, your ministry, your ministry. Because God gave some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists for the equipping of the saints to do the works of the ministry. Can you say amen? Okay, we want to pray for you about debt reduction and debt-free living. I know, uh, you know, it's Sunday night. Many of you's got a real job. You got to go to work. You know, me and me and Pastor Chad, we don't have a real job. We get to sleep in in the morning. <laughs> I'm being facetious. But if you want, if you want us to pray for you about coming into debt reduction and debt-free living, can I? Can I just uh, please hear my? strength but my humility in it I know I carry anointing in this I know that I carry an anointing to see um, debt reduction and debt free living and how many of you have been at this long enough you realize that anointings are not taught they're caught I don't care how good somebody teaches about the anointing Getting around them and getting hands laid on you is far greater than the teaching itself. And so what I'd like to do, 
Pastor, is I'd like to, uh, with your permission, I want to ask Susan and, and Matt that's with me, and we'll just start, and I'd like to pray for you and your family first, and then you join with us. And we're just going to be up here, and you just come up, and, you know, it's not going to be a long thing. We're not going to prophesy for 30 minutes over. We're going to lay hands and impart something to you. And you're going to go out of here different than you came in. The man who taught me about first fruits was teaching in a church in York, England. And as I pray for you for debt reduction and debt free living, I'm going to also release this anointing for creative ideas. And he prayed over the congregation, the Rock Church of York, England. I've been there many, many, many times. And he prayed that people would have creative ideas. About a week later, a man from there went with his wife, usually never went to the supermarket with her. He went and she puts her groceries on the little conveyor and she grabs a little black bar to divide her groceries from anybody else's groceries. And a creative idea hits him. He leaves there and checks into it and found, finds out that nobody had a patent, a, a, a cop, I think it was a patent, to advertise on those little bars. And he applied for it and got it. Three years after this creative idea came to him, his tithe was 350,000 pounds. That, at that time, it was about $450,000 off of one creative idea. Stand there looking, he said, just all of a sudden, he thought, why don't we advertise Tide, you know, or, or whatever on it? And he holds the patent for that in the UK, and he has become a very wealthy, and he's a tremendous giver. So I want you to know, that as we pray for your debt reduction, we're going to believe for you to get a creative idea. You know, who, who, who put the first cherry on a Sunday? I'm glad they did. <laughs> you know, who, who made the first bread pudding? You know, think about this. You know, who, you know, uh, who, 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 who came up with all of this? Amen. You know, can I tell you, on the way to church today, I'm trying to see if I want to really be crazy in front of her. But on the way to church today, I felt like God spoke to me to, to buy a windmill, not a hundred foot tall one or whatever they are, but buy a windmill, not, not one of those little $65, but a windmill and put it on our property out there because we have a word there's going to be an oil and gas discovery up in this area of Arkansas. And, and you know, windmills were wells. And I, I really felt, I've already talked to Susan about it. I'm, 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 I want to know it's what God's telling me. But sometimes you have to, listen, if you can hang different colored bark on a tree and start having different colored cattle, Remember the story of Jacob? Well, why couldn't God say to me, put a windmill up on your property and it's going to cause the oil and gas discovery to come to this area? So I've already looked and found a guy that's got a one that's 20 foot tall in Oklahoma 
thank God it's not 10 hours away, it's three hours away. And I'm gonna contact him more and see if I can, you know, I, I've got, Jew, how many have got Jewish blood? I have Jewish blood, so I gotta negotiate him down just a little bit, all right? <laughs> but I'm gonna contact. So when you come forth, will you put a demand on the anointing for debt reduction, debt-free living, but creative ideas? We know many, many creative ideas that have come to people that has produced. Some of it just produced a little bit of money, but it was they needed it. Some of it produced a lot of money. Amen. Can we get a couple of you guys to move this, Pastor? And uh, if you want to be prayed for, if you want a hand laid on you, we're going to pray for Pastor and his family first, and then we're going to lay hands on any of you that would like to come forth and move into this. Amen. Just. Yeah, come. Listen, sometimes when I go and teach this in other congregations and stuff, I've actually prayed for the kids and then have the kids pray for you for debt-free living. They just have faith. They don't know how not to believe that God can bring you into debt-free living. And we, we've seen some absolute miracles out of that and everything. Wow. Great-looking family. Amen. Well, Father, we just lay hands on this family, and we just declare over them debt reduction, debt-free living, and creative ideas. Lord, we thank you that you are opening a door over this family, a window, and you're pouring out blessings they cannot hold. Father, we speak over the children, and we speak over mom and dad, and we just declare they are blessed coming and going. We declare the devourer's been rebuked, and we declare there's meat in the storehouse. Now, Father, bless them in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. We're going to be here, and if you just want hands laid on you to come in agreement, you might not know. You might have student debts, or you might just have a note on your car. You might, whatever it might be. But I know God can do that for you. And, and let me just share with you, he doesn't do magic. He didn't pull rabbits out of the hat. But what he can do, he do miracles. Come on, line up here. I'm going to just move down through here. They're going to move down through here and just lay hands on you and just impart to you. Be thinking, one thing would be good, be thinking about it. You know about what you owe on with that. What would bring you to debt-free living? Be, set your heart on that figure that needs to come in. Father, we just lay hands and we declare debt reduction. We declare debt-free living and we declare creative ideas coming. Debt reduction, debt-free living, creative ideas coming. Creative ideas coming. We thank you for that, Father creative ideas and debt reduction and debt-free living. We thank you for that, Lord. We bless them. Debt reduction, debt-free living, creative ideas, creative ideas, Lord. Bless them. Bless them. Thank you, Father. Debt-free living, debt reduction, creative ideas, Lord. Creative ideas. We bless them. Bless them. Bless them. Bless them. In Jesus' name. Father, debt-free living, debt reduction, creative ideas, Lord. Let creative ideas come. 
when the leaves begin to turn this year, the Lord said, you'll move into a time of promotion. There's been some things that's tried to hold you back from where God wants you to, who God wants you to be and where God wants you to go. But though I just hear the Lord saying, no more delay, promotion's coming promotions coming to you but it'll be about the time the leaves start turning with that debt free living debt free living debt reduction creative ideas come now to this man of God Debt-free living, creative ideas. I, I saw when I said that something, and I saw the Lord take a pair of supernatural scissors and he cut something. And there's something that has been attached to you that was holding you back. And God said, I'm severing it tonight. God said, I'm going to free you to run, not just run the race, but to finish the race. And I'm cutting it. I saw a pair of scissors cut like a cord that was hooked in your back and it's not going to hold you back. Debt free, debt reduction, creative ideas. Debt free, debt reduction, creative ideas. Now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Debt free. Thank you, Lord. Debt free. Creative ideas. Debt reduction. Now. Thank you, Father. Debt reduction. Debt free. Creative ideas. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Dead free. Let it come, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Dead free. Dead reduction. Debt free, debt reduction, creative ideas. Amen. Just come on up if you're here for. Thank you, Lord. Debt free, debt reduction, creative ideas, creative ideas. Thank you, Lord. Debt free, debt reduction, creative ideas. free debt reduction creative ideas debt free debt reduction creative ideas creative ideas thank you Lord thank you Father thank you Lord debt free debt reduction creative ideas Debt free, creative ideas. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
I saw something over you, and I'm a seer in my gifting. The first stack of papers will be the wrong papers. There's a big deal coming to you. I'm going to use some language here that I understand that I'm going to make sure you I'm not speaking like you don't understand, but sometimes I could use a word crescent wrench and it might mean one thing to me and another thing to you. But the Lord, I, I, I kept feeling drawn to you tonight. The Lord said he'd called you to be a king. Now, let me explain what that means in my language. You are a conduit for wealth transfer in the kingdom project. There's a major deal that's going to come to your table. But the first stack of papers do, does not represent the integrity that you carry. So be cautious and don't sign too quickly. And stand your ground. I hear the Lord saying, stand your ground. They'll come back with another offer. And those papers will be right. Get ready for it. It's going to be a major, major promotion year for things you're carrying that you're carrying uh, one of the things that the last and, and some have been due to COVID but some of it just been due to the enemy's work against you uh, there's been delay after delay after delay after delay and some things and the Lord, Lord is saying no more delay I think it's Ezekiel chapter 12 the last scripture of it it speaks about the things I've spoke of you no longer will they be delayed but they will come to pass that's what I hear for you at this time but just be cautious about papers that are put in front of you of course judge this word it's a prophetic word at the end of the day the responsibility lies with you father we lay our hand upon this king and we just declare debt free debt reduction and creative ideas. I don't know what this means and I can't see whether it's on your mother's side or your daddy's side, but like a grandfather or a great-grandfather was swindled out of some stuff that affected the family. There was a, there was a, a bad deal and God's going to redeem what was lost to this family through you. It, it, you know, you have the right as a man of integrity, a man of the kingdom, to demand that what was taken from him be paid back sevenfold. I'm gonna I'm gonna emphasize this with a story. A lady in Mississippi, her grandfather, back in the 1800s, got in a crooked poker game and lost their land, and she kept trying to buy it back and the owner wouldn't and finally the owner of the land who was a son of the man who beat her grandfather out of it passed away he, he become old she didn't pray that he died he just passed away she had offered a very healthy sum of money to buy the land back get it in the family his son the man who passed away his son came to her and said I'm aware of what my grandfather did or might have been his great-grandfather and I don't agree with it and I believe the land's supposed to go to you I know the offer you made my dad and it's more than generous you can have it for $75,000 less money they now own that and I said that because I see something like that in your lineage God's going to return you're a redeemer 
you carry this kingly anointing carries a redeeming anointing for your legacy, for the legacy of this family and for you. So get ready for it. Could I, could I just have your first name? Boone. What? Boone. Boone. Good name. Amen. Good name. Well, Boone, we just declare over you that you're going to get fullness of understanding of this word. And it's going to push you forward. It's almost like what I'm seeing in the spirit. You've been trying to walk in a very, very, very strong wind. And it's hard to walk into wind. I'm talking about strong wind. But the wind's going to change to get at your back. And the wind that's been against you is now going to propel you. Amen. Father, we just declare debt-free living, debt reduction, and creative ideas. Debt-free living debt reduction I want to ask you a question because I'm seeing something you have an old Bible at home that belongs to somebody else look at it page by page you're going to discover something there I don't believe I'm seeing a paper but what I'm seeing is a note that's been written in that note it, the note is written in somebody's handwriting but it's going to become as strong as scripture to you it's going to be a word to you I see it, and I see it put up here. It's on a shelf. I, I see you getting it down. I see you looking through there, and you're going to find just something that's been written. It's going to be what I'm I can't read it. I can't see it well enough to read it, but it's going to speak loudly to you about it. And stuff. Could you share with me who the Bible belongs to? Uh, it belong, yeah, it belong to man, uh, He's now in prison. Okay. I believe there's something in it that God's going to speak to you strong. You know, I ran with a man before I was saved. <laughs> and then he got saved in prison under Chuck Colson's ministry. He was uh, at, there at the same place, same time. And then we ran together. I got saved. And we ran together afterwards, and I actually managed a big company for him for a while as I was breaking into ministry. But he, he was a changed man with it. I mean, you know, I can't talk the history because it's down in the blood, but it was some very, very stuff. So we're just going to believe that to speak to you. Amen? All right. Everybody blessed? Everybody love Pastor Chad? Anybody doesn't love him? Okay, only one hand. You're doing pretty good. There's only one hand. <laughs> Listen, I know I hold you when I come. You're hungry people. I'm honored to be here. You need, if you felt something in your heart, you need to, you need to make a pledge. In the 50 days we ask, it just to, you know, it's just kind of a boundary. It's not something to hold. But you need to plant into this anointing. As I said this morning, I don't get anything. I don't want anything. I want you blessed. When you begin to practice first fruits, it moves you. You know, you can go home and pull the shower curtain back and stay on the outside of the, the tub or outside the shower and a little bit of water will splash on you and have a shower that way. Or you can get in under the spout. I promise you what we've experienced is it moves you in under the spout of God's outpouring. And uh, I will practice first fruits until 
I, I'm not in this existence anymore. I'm in a greater existence because it, it doesn't just, it, it, it works, but it's greater than that. What Matt shared, we've watched so many people in our congregation, have we, Matt, that catch this and really get it in their heart and begin to practice it. So I just leave it with you. If you need to make a pledge and pay it out over time, that's fine. God honors that. But it, please, if you felt any stir in your heart, plant a seed, plant a sacrificial seed, and watch the windows of heaven open over you. Pastor, thank you for trusting me. I, 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 uh, I pray that the way I brought it has come across, because I don't want to paint this picture in your mind. If you start doing this, God's going to give me a magic. You know, that's not the way it works. And I can tell you, the longer you practice it, <laughs> the stronger it becomes. And uh, with that, but God will honor these words. Uh, on my, I got some stuff on my website to where you can get it. I'm happy to share any of the notes. If you'll email me at claynash at claynash.org, we'll send you the notes I preached off of. He has the PowerPoint. He can share it with you. Uh, I, I don't, we don't put it on my CD. We don't do many CDs anymore, but my CDs used to always say this, feel free to duplicate. You know, a lot of people put it on their CDs. Don't duplicate this. I put free. It's not my stuff. It's his stuff. I promise you every year I give away far more. Well, I don't know about books, but I give away almost as many books as we sell. It's not about, we're not in it to make money. We're in it to empower people. I'd love for people to become multimillionaires in this room but I want you to have the maturity to handle it. You know, the greatest challenge is stewarding it properly when God brings it to you. So I bless you tonight. I look forward to, uh, uh, you know, I, I believe God is drawing Pastor and I together for something greater than we even understand. I know you, when's your next guest minister in? Yeah. And I'm going to try to, I know the 22nd I'm doing a Passover Seder, but after that I'm going to try to get in to meet this man of God. I've heard a lot of great things about him, and so uh, you're doing a great job here. Continue to do that. Amen? Amen. God bless you. They're going to pray one more time, but as you guys get ready to leave, thank you so much for coming. If you do want to uh, sow into Brother Clay tonight at all, there's a box back there. You can either write a check um, and make it out um, to Clay Nash Ministries, or there's envelopes there. If you want to give cash, make sure you put the cash in the envelope and write his name on it so we know where it needs to go. But thank you guys so much for coming. God bless you, and we hope to see you soon.